Yes, we're back again. We're back again. Hey, let's pump up the volume. Right here. Well, what's up, Johnny? It's Tuesday, September 1st. We are in episode 113 of the Fantasy Whispers. A very special tie-dye Tuesday episode. I'm way stoked about this, Johnny. (laughs) And it's just you and me today. We don't have Big Travi on the show, uh, so who knows what the hell will happen. But uh, (laughs) what's up, Johnny? How's it going? Nothing much. It is going to be an awesome show today. I'm so excited. Chelsea, you are going to be piloting the show it, it's going to get wild. It's going to get fun. No big Travi here today to keep us on the rails. I know. Watch out, people. Watch out. <laughs> uh, this could be a two-hour-long show. I don't know. It, it probably like 24 hours, I thought. That was yeah. the plan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, before anything goes any further, we want to stop you, Whisper Nation, and encourage you to go to the website, thefantasywhispers.com. There is a ton of things there for you to check out, our articles, latest episodes. If you're watching this, maybe you're watching it through the website because you can do that. You can go to the YouTube channel and subscribe. We encourage you to do so. Hit up all of our social media channels. Find Johnny and I on Twitter. Johnny's at Johnny Game Time, right? At Johnny uh, Game Time. Johnny underscore Game Time. That's right. I'm at Chelsea Levy. And of course, we're at TF Whispers. Make sure you're following the show everywhere you can. Go to that website, thefantasywhispers.com, and just check out the swag. We are a week away from real NFL beginning. Holy cow. And if you don't have enough gear for the season while you're sitting on your couch watching those games, head on over to thefantasywhispers.com and get some. <laughs> love that. I love that. I yeah. got mine. I got my CD. I'm a big oh, fan of CD Lamb. People. <laughs> It's so funny because I'll I'll walk around and I'm not I, like I'll walk around with the shirt on, and I always get compliments on the shirt, but then people will see the CD Lamb and they'll either not get it or they'll be like, oh, I really like the shirt, but I didn't like the CD Lamb thing on there. So I'm like, wow, just wait until this guy is actually like people see him and then it's gonna be the new hotness. I'm I'm just calling. Well, they're it complimenting now. your tie dye job. Is that right? Yes, that's really which, what it which is. Which I didn't even do. It was my wife. It was my wife. Oh, she gets all okay. the credit. Uh, but we are tie dye twins today. So there we uh, go. Tie dye Tuesday. <laughs> shout out to all the '90s kids out there. We are '90s kids. We love tie dye, and uh, it's coming back. Coming back. That's right. That's right. Well, I know we've got some special things going on. We have a draft kit still available. If you have not drafted, Johnny and I are headed into our League of Record drafts this weekend. So we are, you know, doing our late night studying hours. Get that draft kit, $15 at thefantasywhispers.com. It's loaded, cheat sheets, projections, and it, and it's updated, right? I mean, I know we yeah. wrote the thing early this summer, but it's been updated. So Yeah, we're going to continue no to update it. As soon as this yeah. Leonard Fournette news uh, ends and the show is over, I'm going to jump back in there, do another edit so we can get that out uh, before this weekend because we know how important this draft weekend is for you. But it is important that you start off. You can't can't win your league at your draft. Don't let anyone tell you that. You can't do that. But you can certainly lose it, and you don't want to do that. So make sure you head on over to thefantasywhispers.com. Get that draft kit. Aren't just starting the season off and not going to be able to win. More bit of news to share with Whisper Nation before we really get started, and that's the Whisper Nation hotline. 
We've got the Whisper Nation hotline open, ready to take your calls. And this week, we have a special question about your comeback player. Who is your pick for comeback player of the year in fantasy in 2020? So if you have an answer for us, get on the phone, one 833 4 talk That's one 833 4 talk And tell us who is your pick for comeback player of the year in fantasy for 2020. Johnny, do you want to give us your answer right now? Or do we have to wait for that voicemail on the Whisper Nation hotline? Yeah, you got to wait for the voicemail. And I uh, <laughs> I have a couple. I've got a couple of guys that are up to no good, but they're going to make trouble in your league's neighborhood. So, I uh, you know, stay tuned for that. You're going to you're going to want to know maybe that's what our next show will be. We just I don't do... know. I'm going to stay tuned for the rest of that song that you were just starting. Okay. <laughs> I know. I was I, I was I'm not going to lie. I was a little surprised at myself that I like was pretty good. <laughs> Well, Johnny, I'm really excited. I'm. I, I will see what we come up with for the rest of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know. Um, I mean, it really is a big week for us personally when it comes to fantasy football, and so I'm really excited just to, you know, sit with that. Like we are show hosts, we bring this content to Whisper Nation. I mean, you do it on a daily basis, my God, but just on a regular basis, being able to do this. And for a second, I want to take a step back and make this about us a little bit. Hey, I mean, we are walking into our own draft weekends this weekend. So I know it, you're spending a lot of time, the wee hours of the night or the morning studying, and I'm really curious. And it's not just because I'm in your league with you, Johnny, but I want to know if you're willing to tell us in Whisper Nation, what are some of your pre-draft rituals? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, so some of the things that I like to do, obviously, I, I give out all my advice to you guys for free uh, on YouTube, on social media, all of this stuff. Uh, we do have the draft kit, which... That one is paid. Okay, so you get that. But uh, for the most part, all of my stuff uh, is out there. People know my secret, know who I like, who I dislike. In fact, I was in a, in a draft just last weekend. And every guy that I went to, because it was an auction draft. So every guy that came up, and you know, they, a, a lot of them uh, listened to our show. And so anytime that player, like Terry McLaurin came up, oh, John likes this guy, guys. John is a big fan. and then Or DJ Moore came up. Oh, guys. John really likes this guy. So it's just like, I, I can't even catch a break. So uh, what I have found that I have to do is uh, I, people are going to know the same breakouts that I like or my sleepers, whatever. That It is what it is. That's a part of uh, having this platform. And I'll accept that. Uh, so what I have to do is I have to now dig a little bit deeper. And so I have to uh, study my league members or I have to know them more. Uh, than they know themselves. And so that's what I like to do. I go down, I crunch a lot. I'm a numbers guy, so I crunch numbers from last year. I find out trends and, and what people like to do on a yearly basis uh, with their with their rosters, with their draft rounds. Uh, and so I go that route uh, in order to kind of do it. So that begins my whole ritual of you know getting ready for the draft weekend. And then I do a lot of mock drafts that just week home stretch. I will do a ton of standard mock drafts because it's a standard league. It's not the PPR that we play in, in other leagues or anything like that. So uh, I do that. I create a big board. I, I narrow, start narrowing down to the guys that I really, really like that I want to take stabs at in each round, barring any falling uh, going on. So that's usually where my rituals are uh, with that whole thing leading up to the big day. Chelsea, though, I know I've seen your drafts because I've done the data. And I know that you put in work because you have three years in a row 
She has gotten two players. So I, this is a crazy stat. This is, this is I, I know that I've already done a monologue here, but I got to shout this out because Chelsea needs. No, please talk about my team. Yes. I love it. <laughs> so Chelsea is a, a great fantasy player. Um, but the odds of you grabbing a late round flyer and from rounds 10 to 15 are very, very slim. I've, I've looked it up about there are about 10 players uh, from rounds 10 to, to 15 in general that will get you over 100 fantasy points for the whole season. Not a lot, right? That's 100 fantasy points, not a lot. That's a flex. Chelsea, on the other hand, on three straight years, has gotten two of those player, two players that have scored over 100 fantasy points and been fle- more than flex options in uh, three back-to-back years. So that's pretty impressive. So I want to know, Chelsea, what are you doing to lead up to draft ritual? Because you seem to be hitting these late-round flyers each and every single year. I want to know what you're on. I appreciate that, Johnny. Uh, and I also love that you carry the memory for my team better than I may. I Oh, right. That's right. I did draft Devontae Adams before anybody saw him coming. That's and, right. And DK Metcalf <laughs> and Tyler Lockett. And That's what I'm I talking about, that. folks. This is why I'm here, actually, just to let the praise rain on me from Johnny. Um, no, I mean, first of all, I don't give away all my secrets on a fantasy podcast yeah, show. I know that one. <laughs> I tried to get That's it. I, I, I tried to get you to. No, but we do talk really openly for the most part about things. I know you guys like to pick on me because I don't always like to join all the mock drafts. And that is partially strategic. It is, you know, not always of interest to me to have people think of the players I'm going for. And I I spend a lot of time in mock drafts. I mean, my sleeper app is just completely just full of mocks. And sometimes I'll open one and not even like sit around for it. I just want another thing to reflect on and interrogate or question. I don't make the picks myself. I just let the computer do it and I'll pick it back up and be like, oh, interesting. Let's see what happened this time. I really try to find ways to eliminate my bias walking into the season. I guess that's my biggest thing because for whatever reason I carry a lot of bias about players from the previous years I mean Chris Godwin being the perfect player I did not see a matchup with Chris Godwin all of last season he was not on my team and because the way our fantasy schedule in our league worked out I didn't play the team that had him at all so Chris Godwin hasn't entered my thinking and like when I see this guy sitting at ADP right next to Mike Evans I'm just like like, uh, yeah. so just that type of thing. But I have to like, you know, if I'm sitting in a spot where Chris Godwin's repeatedly falling to me in my drafts and I'm going to let this type of recency bias or just negativity that's like sitting in my head about a certain player stay there, then I really need to confront that and be like, nope, these guys are, are good or like maybe effective for my team in these scenarios. So that's that's really my pre-draft ritual is like honing in on why I've let myself not pay attention to a certain player for a really long time and try to question why that is and get off of it. At least be able to make a case for both sides because then I feel good about whatever situation I'm in. I love that. And especially because we all, we say this all the time on the show, like every player is good. Obviously they're in the NFL. They're, they're all good, but every player at certain point becomes a good value. And it's all about getting the right value. That's what the draft is all about. And you made a, a, a really great point there and saying like, you know, sometimes like these guys weren't even on my radar and like I let it just fall how it is. And that's so key, especially when you're mock drafting. That is the time to practice. So get those guys on your team that you don't necessarily like because then you can kind of create like this worst case scenario. 
And it's just like, you know, anything else that you do, you create reps, you create memory, you get it in your brain. And then when it happens, you're, you're like, it tra- it's weird. It just triggers. And you're like, oh, I remember seeing this before. You know, I don't necessarily like, you know, Chris Godwin here at this pick, but I got to take him. And I know what to do now based on that because of what I've done here. And so uh, it's it's really key. That was a great point. I love that you brought that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we're in the final stretch, right? The season's about to begin. So being in our final days of the offseason and knowing that so much can change about players, I'm really, I mean, my God, the news in just the last 24 hours has proven that alone. Maybe we'll talk about that more in a second. But I'm really curious from you, Game Time, what are some of the things that you look to help seal the deal on certain players? Like, I remember uh, Tyreek Hill was not on, uh, you know, anybody's radar in our league until that massive preseason bomb happened. We haven't gotten to see the same level of preseason play. But for you, Johnny, like, what are those, like, you know, final, yep, this is going to be the final seal of approval on this guy or or no way I'm going to abandon my my thoughts on that. Like, what really helps you solidify your strategy headed into the season? I will, I'll be honest, it is a lot of beat writers, a lot of, um, not only the beat writers, but then I'll look up other reports to confirm those beat writers and then trying to find as much game tape as possible. I know it's very limited, uh, but some of these practices are taped, so you can kind of see some of these guys. Um, you know, it's not going to be what you're going to see full on in, in, game, in games. I understand that, but you can get glimpses and you can see where they're using guys. Where on the field? Are they moving them around? Are they, uh, do you see them in often? Are you hearing good things about them? Uh, and so when I start to see all these things line up, that's when it kind of, the boxes start checking. Whereas, you know, like there are some cases where it goes the reverse, right? Like the Joe Mixon. I, I was really, really high on Joe Mixon. And then like the stuff that we're getting these last couple of weeks have actually caused me to be like, oh, I need to maybe rethink what I'm thinking about Joe Mixon because if he does hold out, I don't want that burden on me. And so it's always, um, you're constantly, you know, checking, engaging where you're at. Um, but it's also, you know, we do a lot of the work for you. So when we get on the show, I, I know I'll, you know, sometimes I'll get real emotional and I go, you know, I'm like, this guy sucks. And I just say that. And, you know, like, I don't necessarily say down to the, oh, he ran 3.2 yards per carry and stuff like that. Um, I know that stuff. It's just, I'm just emotional. And I just wanted to let you guys know on how, if this guy is good or not. Um, so that's generally kind of where I go. You're not, I, I, that's a big point that you bring up though. Like you're not going to get those kind of you you know videos or if you do everyone is going to see those so you have to kind of find your own research now this year uh which is a little bit different but you can use it to your advantage because some of these players aren't going to um go up like they normally would because not everyone's seeing these highlights so you could take advantage of it Really good point, Johnny, like just the way what your expectations of players are is sort of creating like the scenarios for you this year. And so, you know, a guy like you spends a ton of time in the numbers who can really understand what a player ought to be capable of. So your frustration comes from them, like not or diminishing on that return, like really not meeting that level of expectation. So I I get that passion and I appreciate that you bring it and share it with Whisper Nation every week. It feels sometimes funny to be so passionate or emotional about fantasy football, but at the end of the day, like it gets you going, it brings your people together. Like it gives you things to talk about and connect over. Like I'm all for it. So I always appreciate the passion you bring. 
Um, and I, I mean, for us, like in our league of record, the fact that we draft so close to the start of the regular season is very intentional, right? We are, it's our 10 year anniversary this year of our league. And the fact that we've all learned well enough that you can get burned, seriously burned. If you make your draft picks too early in the preseason alone, I mean, heck we've had guys on draft day, pick Jarek McKinnon in their third round pick just to get a torn ACL report literally an hour later. And we thought we were doing the best thing we could. We're still that close, but stuff happens. And so for us, it's really like, you know, giving ourselves the best opportunity possible to not screw over anybody in the league and give us all the same advantage. Yeah. Um, Well, I think that's another great, like, it's funny you brought that up because while we did our our listener league uh, draft a couple weeks ago, because that's what we have to do. And, but, that's hit me like three of my players are already, you know, Rieger, uh, David Montgomery. And, um, I have another one that is, Oh, and, and Miles Sanders all dealing with issues, uh, after I drafted them. So like you said, yeah, it's always nice to push back. But, and another thing was like when we were having our bylaws meet because of this year being, we're not all meeting together. We threw out the idea of, hey, why don't we draft a little bit earlier? We only did that because of, you know, there were preseason games. There's no preseason games. Well, yesterday showed a good reason as to, hey, even though it's no COVID, you still wait until the last you know weekend to do it if you can, uh, because you're going to get the latest and greatest news. Seriously, our listener league uh, draft got really messed up too with that Leonard Fournette news. And as we sit yeah. here, I'm literally like peeking at my phone every five seconds for an update because That's if that guy, he could go to a number of teams that also have one of the running backs I drafted. Yeah. So I'm just thinking about, oh my gosh, the ADP we threw away because of a decision where we're going to end up just with a solidified backfield. I know we're talking about shitty committee situations the rest of this episode. I want to know what I- Sleeper has uh, on uh, or what the fantasy uh, guy Odds have on TFW and our team because this is this is starting to get a little weird. I'm just saying. Last year, you know, we had all those. We had Andrew Luck. We had Jude. We had all these like weird, suspicious things happen, and it was like, okay, all right, that's fine. Maybe one one year. So then this year we split up. We get our own teams, and now it's just like all of our teams are just. Uh, it doesn't matter. Weird. Yeah. Well, you know, Johnny, like much of 2020, I think it's another test. It's a test that we will have to rise to the occasion for or fail miserably and epically. And the entire listener league will laugh in our faces and try to take over our podcast potentially. So I know I will uh, study very hard and work hard at passing this test. (laughs) Uh, We're coming for you, Whisper Nation. You're not going to get us on this listener league. Um, none of us, None of us. <laughs> um, and I know, uh, we got a show topic to get into, but we got one more question, uh, sort of part of this preseason pre-draft, um, somebody from Reddit, I, I saw this topic and just had to bring it on the show. Somebody is battling for 500. All right. They just want to be baseline mediocre 500 schedule at this point, as good as they are bad in fantasy yeah. football over six years. Um, any advice, Johnny, on how to level up fantasy football gameplay headed into the season? And I'm not just thinking about for the draft, but really the whole season long. How would somebody take their mediocre gameplay to that next level? What are some advice you have? Well, first and foremost, I would subscribe to the Fantasy Whispers channel. Uh, that will definitely help you. We will be dropping videos all season long uh, so they can, you know, maintain and and be better than 500 uh but if you want to be 500 we can definitely get you that um and so uh and, that's our show guarantee actually yeah. we can definitely get you <laughs> yeah. at least 500 yeah i'm very confident in that 
Um, no, but uh, some things that I would I would do if if you're really serious about wanting to get better at fantasy football, it is it's one it's it's listening to a, a show whether that is you know our show or somebody else's show. There's a lot of great people in this industry. We have them on our show too. Like there are a lot of good, there's a lot of good content out there. And so I would, I would highly advise that finding someone that you kind of gel with and your personality and, and listen to that person. Um, obviously do your research each and every single week, know who you need to, a big thing that people always underestimate is waiver wires. And, and just the fact that I know at the end of drafts, that you you know you're seeing all these guys and you're like these guys are so irrelevant I don't even know who these guys are but there are going to be guys that are go undrafted and come week one there are going to be five or six guys that are all going to be potential guys that you could help win your and so uh, it's a definitely something that would intrigue you to uh, stay focused on waiver wire because that is actually where. Uh, you pick up your depth and you build your roster out and you trade. That, that's another part of it. You need to get good at trading. But I will say, touching on what we talked about earlier in the show, Chelsea, again, if I am on the borderline, it seems like you, you're, it seems like this guy is you know, he, a decent fantasy football player. He's just trying to figure out what direction to go to. I would also revert back to start knowing your league mates a little bit more knowing what they like to do, who they like to draft, where they like to go, it gives you an advantage. Uh, if you're struggling at finding the advantage at the player's part, start to find an advantage, go and get values at certain. I appreciate that. Um, thanks, Johnny. I The playing throughout the season and staying with it throughout the season is really like, I think where I excelled the most from year to year is just being able to recognize that like you can't, you can't really sleep on fantasy football season, you know, every single day of the week, even though there's not football, there's probably something for you to do, right? There's news updates coming out. There's the waiver wire action itself, which happens on some random day in the middle of the week. And again, depending on how your league set up, if it's an auction, uh, if it, if you have uh, waiver wire dollar, however you approach that waiver wire, you want to be able to find your competitive edge there. And, you know, even if it's not the handcuff for the running back that went down that week that you're going after, you still want to take bets on guys and yeah. just keep your roster fresh. It's really something that I took uh, took for granted. I, you know, would draft guys, fall in love with these guys, want to hold them on my roster and make a mine all season long and, you know, see them off to a victory at the end of the season. And it just wasn't happening. And so you can keep your, your roster fresh a couple of ways. I'm not in favor of trading. I don't really like or feel confident approaching trades, especially in our league of record um getting more comfortable in other spaces but for me it's really trying to find that value that's sitting on the waiver wire week to week so i love that i love that advice and my guess is uh somebody is just hoping that they come out of the draft really well and isn't as active as they want throughout the rest of the season but you can take a losing you know a, a pretty shitty draft you know frankly oh, yeah. speaking uh and turn it into a winning team throughout the season just through persistence and effort yeah there you'll be surprised i mean uh, I was in a couple of leagues last year where I literally left the draft and my team was nasty. Like I legit like people in I've the in the yeah, like people in the league were like they were like, Wow, John definitely has the best team we've ever seen. You know, and then what ended up happening, like yeah. my guys all were not good, even though they were all you know, OBJ, Juju, we talked about it. But it's like that happens. 
And yeah, the only, you're holding on to them too exactly. long. You're not like and, actually monitoring the trends. You're just trying to bank on something huge. Right. And so yeah. you end up getting like, don't let the, the name values also let you, you know, get in your head because sometimes that that's a bad effect on you. So. Yeah. No, I hear that. And thanks for this. Um, well, with that, Whisper Nation, I hope you are feeling a little bit more confident if you are headed into your final weekend drafts this weekend, as Johnny and I both are, uh, or if you're just headed into, you know, you're coasting now until the season starts. We're really excited for you. Keep sliding into our DMs. Let us know what's going on with your teams. If you've got questions for us, if you're, you know, concerned about your draft headed up this weekend, make sure you get that draft kit, fantasywhispers.com. It's only $15, and we promise it'll at least get you to 500 yeah. this season. Yeah. At least. <laughs> at least. Um, well, with that, Johnny, we should uh, jump into the topic uh, for the show today, which are the shitty committees. And for us, what that looks like are these crowded, complicated, you know, kind of confusing backfield situations. And I know Johnny has all the data and can totally help us break down each one of these. So, Johnny, let's just get started. Let's can you do it. tell us? Yeah, right. Can you tell us the scene in Indianapolis starting there? We've got six we're going to break down. Yeah, so we're going to start with Indianapolis. Go uh, for it. We'll start with Indianapolis. Uh, we want it to be known as well. Like, there are a lot of workhorse running, work, quote unquote, workhorse running backs uh, that you can grab in the earlier rounds. Where you really find uh, that you build your roster. Could be by taking the stab at these ugly and gross, you know, shitty committees as we call them. Uh, but if you land the right one, it could be tremendous for your fantasy football team. And you might be able to find value because other players might be staying away from the teams like this because they are in a committee and not a backfield by themselves. So it is if you get and cipher through all the noise and information uh, and grab the right one at the right value can have a tremendous advantage going into the season. So with that said, we'll start in Indy where uh, I love talking about Indianapolis running backs because uh, it, one, it's really uncomfortable because it's, it, you know, you have Marlon Mack and all the hype there. You have uh, Jonathan Taylor, who looks to be one of the most explosive runners we come out of college since, you know, uh, Ezekiel Elliott or Saquon Barkley. Um, and then you also have Naheem Hines, who, you know, is is a pass catching specialist, He's a wide receiver who they moved to a running back in college. He's uh, you know, assumed that scat back role for Indianapolis, a role that we've seen so beneficial uh, for Philip Rivers. You know, in uh, L.A., uh, you know, we saw the the Danny Woodheads and Austin Eckler. So there is a little bit of intrigue there. So Marlon uh, Marlon Mack has fallen. He's more of the middle to. The middle rounds right now in drafts. Jonathan Taylor is you have to take a little bit earlier. He's going about fourth or fifth round. Twelve team lines is late round dart throw. Here's what I'll say. Jonathan Taylor is going to be an absolute beast in this. He's going to be such a good running back. And now you're pairing him behind one of the best offensive lines in fantasy football. Chelsea and I are in a uh chat uh where yesterday we were talking about the correlation between the offensive line and how good the production is of the running back running behind that, and you often find that even if it's a if it's a really good run a uh, uh, really good offensive line that can take a, just a good running back and make them elite. Um, however, on the other side, it's a little bit difficult to have a 
running back produce significant RB1 numbers or solid RB2 numbers if they're running if their O-line is bad. But there are a few that do it. Uh Chris Carson is one of those guys, that's why we love him. Um but when you're looking at Indianapolis, they have such a great offensive line that I think that all of these guys could have some really nice roles. Um, I'm not fading Marlon Mack like a lot of people are because I have listened to Indianapolis now for several years. They have always told me exactly what they were going to do. They have never lied to me. So I am, you know, Frank Reich has always been honest. And so I am not going to hinder and, and change away from that this year uh, because of Jonathan Taylor. I understand he's so talented and I going to be so good and you should grab him in your drafts i love his value even if he is in the committee because he's going to get a lot of volume even not going to get 250 carries but it was going to get you 200 touches probably and he's going to be efficient with it. so i like that marlon mack they keep saying hey we're going to use this guy so i don't know why us as a fan ignoring that i i know chelsea do you have any idea I mean, he was the most explosive runner for the Colts in 2019. And you say that there was, you know, guys in position, Naheem Hines in the perfect position for him. He's still not the best runner on the team, despite it being the perfect fit. And I, you know, I think about the Colts offense in general over the course of three years. Marlon Mack was such an exciting prospect coming in with the Andrew Luck quarterback situation. Boom. You know, I think it was a year ago this week we were getting the news that Andrew Luck is out yeah. of out of NFL, like so suddenly and unexpectedly anything could happen um and then we have philip rivers at the quarterback position now so just in general there's been a lot of movement on that offense and i love this segment in general because we're telling people look it's crowded it's complicated but you got to trust these guys like at the end of the day listen to what the coaches are saying anticipate where these positions are uh, or where these guys are going to be playing in these positions and take the take the risk it's the right risk to take especially where they're falling in adp so i'm not sure why people are not paying attention uh to the numbers to the stats that came out of marlon mack last season um, and just to the looking at this as a real opportunity here to again get value in a place where you may not have that type of value available in your drafts that's the whole point yeah and so with that, we should move on to the Tampa Bay backfield. Uh, I know <laughs> Tampa Bay, um, I have some stake in the Tampa Bay backfield this season. Um, and I'm super anxious because this is high on the list for Leonard Fournette's dropping place. Right? Is that right, Johnny? Yeah. yeah. So this could get even more crowded. But before the news drops this morning, before we hear any updates about any pending running back additions, let's just talk about the scenario as it currently exists for the Buccaneers. Give us that breakdown. Yeah, so uh, right now as it stands, so coming into the offseason, uh, it was a little bit muddied. You know, we weren't sure if it was going to be Ronald Jones, uh, Dyra Ogubawale. Um, then they, you know, there was the draft. They, they went up and got uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. So everyone got on the Keyshawn Vaughn bandwagon. Although we, we will say on the show uh, that we were saying slow down a little bit because BA doesn't generally rookies. It'll be interesting goes that route and what are we hearing sure enough ba is using rookie and kick returns and punt returns uh which is very similar to how they did uh with david johnson now uh Keyshawn vaughn is not the same talent of david johnson so can't expect or think that that's what we're going to get we also have to look at the reports again we talked about this in the show beat report what they're saying and what are, what the what they're saying out of camp and what they're saying out of camp is rojo is getting all of the, you know, he's getting the bulk of the carries. Going to have the first crack at this. 
Now, he did injure his foot a little bit. Um, okay, so I thought there was a, a news break there. Got real excited for a second. Um, but uh, they're, they're, he should be fine. People were making a bigger think about this than what it really was. Uh, it didn't seem to be a big, serious uh, injury. So Ronald Jones has been creeping up because people are really starting to see, okay, this is the guy that B.A. is going to go with. He's been working on his pass catching, uh, which is actually where B.A. used him last year, which was kind of weird because that uh, and here we thought that's where he was kind of deficient in his game was in the pass game, uh, but that's where B.A. wanted to use him. So I think Ronald Jones is worth the stab uh, in the fourth, fifth round, barring, of course, if any Leonard Fournette going there or anybody else going there. We also have LaShawn McCoy that got signed late, which is also another very interesting signing, uh, you know, bringing up B.A. and his past history. Uh, speaking of the David Johnson year, if you remember back then, they had an, a guy named Andre Ellington who was like a scat back, very built very similarly to Rojo. And then uh, they went and got Chris uh, Chris Johnson late in the training camp, signed him. And he was actually a RB2 for you until he went down. And then they started to turn over to David Johnson. So that the season somebody in our league of record was playing uh, three running backs from the Cardinals or had three running yeah. backs from the Cardinals and started on one week on their team. And it wasn't crazy in that scenario. It worked out. And yeah, yeah right. <laughs> it's, uh, so definitely Rojo is the guy that you're going to want. LaShawn McCoy ha is, has some intrigue. They're saying he actually might have the lock on the third down work where we thought Dyer Wale was going to get that. But I do know that he did struggle in pass protection a little bit last year. In fact, Jay Gruden like <laughs> exposed him on hard knocks last year, if you remember that, about his pass protection. But anyway, uh, so that could be an issue. So just I don't mind LaShawn McCoy as a late round dart throw as maybe there could be something there. Um, uh, but if I'm going to take a stab at anybody in this backfield, it is going to be Ronald Jones. He has a, a breakout season. Tampa Bay back to LaShawn McCoy's old backfield. Let's head to Buffalo, Johnny, where we've got another interesting scenario on our hands. Uh, we've got Zach Moss and Devin Singletary really competing for the backfield there. And um, I know you've had some movement and some shifting uh, opinions on things this season, but where, where are you standing now as we're just days away from the start of the season, Johnny? Yeah, so I have this one. This one is this hurts me, Chelsea. This hurts me. And it, it does it does make me a little bit more at ease because Big Travi is not on the show. So I can say this a little bit more because I know I'm not going to get as scrutinized uh, by this Philly. This is a truth-telling moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. By Philly <laughs> Chelsea. But I was a huge believer. I, I still am a huge believer in the talent of Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary, I knew, would not be the only running back in this backfield. Uh, I knew they were going to draft a running back. Uh, that running back turned out to be Zach Moss. And, you know, when I first, I wasn't a big fan of Zach Moss coming out of college. And now that I'm like starting to watch the tape, I'm starting to listen, you know, you have to be able to adjust and be, and be water. You cannot in this, in this industry, it is one of the worst things to do to tie yourself to a player and then not realize kind of when you see some writing on the wall or at least change your viewpoint that there could be another outcome. 
And as I'm reading things, uh, again, Devin Singletary's talent is is very good. I, I love him as a player, but you have to also understand the where you're having to take him in drafts and the value that uh, Zach Moss at uh, is much more significant and the role could be much more significant thought. So with all of that in your opinion has to change on nation. I'm also starting to fade Devin Singletary. He's had the fumble issues camp as well. Had four fumbles last year, which was a uh, last year. So uh, with that said, I do like Zach Moss as a later round guy and I'm taking him more often than I am taking Devin Singletary. Am I surprised if Devin Singletary holds on to this and, and gets the vast majority of the runs? I don't because that's what I expect to happen. I just don't know if that is going to happen. And so I like to be as certain as possible in my drafts. So I don't find myself drafting Devin Singletary. So that's yeah, well, to quote Big Travi in this instance, uh, pff, unreal. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Wow. Uh, I mean, Whisper Nation, just take it back or video. Actually, an important growth moment and something everybody in Whisper Nation ought to learn from. The same thing I was saying earlier, you know, what are some of the ways that we approach the season? You got to shed previous bias. You've really got to, like, interrogate and question why it is you're holding yourself off of some of these guys. Because if you're sitting there trying to just be right or trying to, you know, have somebody meet your expectations and it's not going to happen, what's going to end up happening is you're going to miss the opportunity on one of these players and then somebody else on your league is going to grab them and you're just going to be sitting there with too many emotions to deal with for fantasy football. So don't put yourself in that scenario. Admit that you're wrong like Johnny Hicks just did and keep rolling, people. Uh, I love that, Johnny. Thank you for that admission. (laughs) Um, and uh, moving to um, the Denver backfield now, uh, boy, I this is something that I really need to like question and interrogate my recency bias on. But I know you have some good words to say when it comes to Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay and how the Broncos are going to handle this crowded backfield situation, Johnny. Yeah, so I I don't understand <laughs> the Melvin Gordon hate. I, I really don't. Um, Do you want me to tell you? He is in Denver, and he said he can't breathe there. Immediately, I'm like, come on, guy. It is your job to run in Denver, and you've played ball there before. What do you mean you can't breathe? Maybe it's not hate, but it's a little bit like, what? <laughs> I know. I, I I get that. But, again, that was, you know, to, to his training camp and, and all of that. I, I think that he'll – that will come with time. I mean, if anyone knows about – Breathing. You, you know, breathing in, in high altitude – it's you and I, Chelsea, because we went to NAU. Shout out to Lumberjacks uh, and the high altitude up there. And I remember that first weekend, you know, because we were we love to, you know, play intramurals together and stuff like that. That first weekend is hard. I don't care how much you train and stuff like that. When you go up into altitude and you actually start running, you start wheezing. But I'll tell you what, uh, and it, it, when you go and play somewhere else. It is the reverse order. Now you have all this extra, like you can, you can go a lot further on a lot less energy. It seems like because of the altitude, uh, when you go down lower, uh, it's just wild. You're in a little bit shrunk. So with all that said, <laughs> I want to bring up this point because it drives me absolutely bonkers. I don't even like that word bonkers. I don't even know why I use that, but it just drives me nuts, okay? (laughs) 
People will sit here and they and they talk to and they say, Johnny, I don't want to get this guy. He's not the bell cow. I don't want to get this guy. He's not the bell cow. I don't want to get this guy. He's not the bell cow. I want to remind every single person that is listening to our show. We appreciate you. But there is no such thing as a bell cow running back anymore. There's no Lay such it thing. <laughs> it does not exist. And what I mean by that is when the term bell cow came around, it was back in the early 2000s when they actually used one running back for the vast majority of their runs. You look back in 2003, 2004, 2002, all those years, the average running back, there were, there were 17 running backs out of, you know, there were 32 teams. 17 running backs had over 300 touches, right? That's a lot, 300 touches. Put that into perspective, last year, there was only two running backs that had over 300 rushes. Or three, there, there were only two running backs that had over 350 touches. So, whereas back in 2002, 2003, 2004, there were like 10 running backs that had over 350 touches. So the reality is, is that the definition of a workhorse running back is no longer an, act an accurate thing. Teams do not do that. Even guys that we, we quote unquote name the bell cow don't generally take Ezekiel Elliott. He splits his time. There, there are times when they get the backup in there. Uh, the only guy that we can truly, truly say is an, an absolute bell cow would be CMC and Saquon. Those are the only two. And even Saquon now, it's like, well, they have Deion Lewis. So there's some intrigue there. I mean, it, to, to this point, it really, like the trend is away from bell cow, right? Like Correct. data and analytics have shown that guys can have greater versatility and certain different playmaking opportunities. So why would coaches not use that? If it could save the player that they've, I mean, millions of dollars are at millions stake here, right? At the end of the millions. day. <laughs> At the end of the day, these are business decisions too. And the data and science have really come in to show that they can make smarter decisions on their investments at the end of the day. And these athletes don't need to be crunched into the ground. They don't need to run 350 times throughout the season, break that up, split it over multiple people. And while it hurts us in fantasy, I really just think it forces us to evolve our strategy in fantasy. It hurts us if we stay limited and thinking that we can get a bell cow running back and that that's what we're looking for. But to your point, it does not exist no, in it the doesn't. same way it used to. And the trend is away from it. So I can imagine like this may be, you know, we could be looking at one of the last significant years where you could even say there are any players who fall into that category because who knows? I mean, Saquon and CMC are aging. They do. And it doesn't look like the NFL is trending in that direction. So let's just forget that idea and right. this idea of shitty committees, crowded backfield. I mean, we're ahead of the curve in thinking about how to break down these uh, these committees, how to find the value and where to find the value. And if you're in a, a, a running back dominant draft league like ours is, it just means things are changing. Right. And so the value there's value to be found other places. And if you're missing out on that, then I mean, my goodness, good luck at 500. It, right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> well, and then, sorry, that, that huge tangent to yeah, explain. It, exactly. That huge, huge, <laughs> uh, long tangent. But, what I also want to bring up, because now people are going to be panicked. Like, they might want to, like, turn off our show, and they're like, what? Running back? Johnny, I'm panicking now. What? No, don't panic, okay? 
on the inverse side of that, I just gave you all that like devastating news, but on the inverse side of that, we also have to realize that these systems are more evolved now. The game schemes, the plays that are being called are, are um, more in tuned now than they ever have been. And so what you are seeing is that, uh, although I just told you 17 running backs had over 350 uh, uh, carries versus only two last year, if you go and you look at the top tw 24 running backs, you go to the top 24 running back of last year, and you go to the ton number 24 running back uh, back in 2004, what you find is that last year, even though the the running back that was finished 24th last year had on average about 100 less carries or 100 less touches, they were more efficient with those touches and they scored more fantasy points. So the, the, the argument that, oh, I have to have all these, these touches, I have to have the bell cow, should not be in your mind. You need to look for where you can get value and where you can get touches that will get you efficient and get you to score fantasy points and i bring up that long tangent i throw all those numbers out there because that's why i'm looking at melvin gordon and i'm looking at and people are saying but johnny melvin gordon is in a timeshare he's not the bell cow he's not this he's not melvin gordon is a good running back denver paid him to bring him in i understand philip Lindsay is there but melvin gordon other you take out his rookie year he has scored no less than eight touchdowns and he has scored uh, eight, between 8 and 10 alternating for the last four years. So, And he's due, by the way, he's due, last year he had 8 touchdowns. So he's due for 10 rushing touchdowns this year. I'm just saying. So I love And he's going way later than he's ever gone in, in, in his career. And he's done this before. He had Austin Eckler his entire career in, in L.A. And, and Danny Woodhead. So he's done this before. I don't know what people are thinking there. And then I am a big fan of Philip Lindsay because... They're still going to use this guy. This guy is an undrafted free agent who's always got a chip on his shoulder, always outproducing his ADP every single year. So why am I going to doubt that? Denver will run the ball a lot. They want to be a run-first team to open up the passing game. And so in order to do that, you're going to run early and often, and that's what Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. That's... On. <laughs> ah, I get real emotional about that one. No, it's good. I really appreciate it. And uh, I mean, you got it right. Like this is how people understand and get it through their heads. And it's like in a shifting and constantly evolving landscape when it comes to football and I mean, sports in general, right? All sports are sort of evolving. Um, how do we take hold of this? Where do we find value and how do we bring it into our fantasy sports? So I appreciate you doing this, Johnny. I know. Uh, we've got two more busy, shitty backfields to break down. Um, and I know Johnny's got feelings about them. So let's get into it. We've got ball. Baltimore, Johnny, Baltimore Ravens. We got Mark Ingram and D D uh, J.K. Dobbins. I don't know why I couldn't say that. Uh, <laughs> what are you What are you thinking about this? And I mean, it, it, we should probably not forget their quarterback, who is basically a running back, also. So tell us how yeah. you approach the Ravens situation, Johnny. <laughs> uh, so how I here's here's what I'm I'm going to be honest with Whisper Nation. Another thing that I, I that I looked back at, and I'm not, and I'm. This is going to be something that, again, be be very cautious when when I'm telling you this. Again, it's it's knowing the value and when you can get them. Okay, I was looking at back at past data, and I was looking about all these. You know, we always talk about it. Get the handcuff. Ooh, get you know, get Ezekiel Elliott's handcuff. Get uh, Alexander Madison. Get his handcuff. You know. 
get all these guys. High upside. And, and there is. There is very high upside there. But what I found is the vast majority of the time, those guys didn't produce over 100 fantasy points. Now, earlier in the show, I told you that from rounds 10 to 15, there were only about 10 players that finished over 100 fantasy points, which is about a flex. If you want to look at it, uh, it's about a flex, like saying that you, 10 players will be able to be comfortable flexes on a, uh, on a weekly basis, right? And the vast majority of those instances were never handcuffed. They were never handcuffed. And so I'm not going to sit here and say never grab a handcuff because that's I went that that would not be the right thing to do. I just want to I want to advise people on part with the handcuffs. Don't overpay for the handcuffs. And why I'm saying that now is because I feel like J.K. Dobbins is being uh, overpaid as a handcuff. Mark Ingram is still in this backfield, and Mark Ingram is being tremendously undervalued. He's another guy that, just like Philip Lindsay, every single year just outproduces his ADP. And people want to write him off the following year for some unknown reason because they want to say, oh, he's not a bell cow. He splits time with some other running back. I don't want him. Well, you can do that. That's fine. I will take Mark Ingram at his value. Uh, got injured late last year, but he's been a relatively healthy player throughout his career. Always put up solid RB2 numbers or flex numbers for you. Um, and he, last year he outproduced, but he was going in the fourth round. He ended up being uh, an RB1 for um, So I love where Mark Ingram's value is. He's the guy that I would go with in this backfield if I'm taking a stab. The reason why I'm a little bit more hesitant on J.K. Dobbins is because people are, are I've seen him go in the sixth round. I've seen him go in the seventh round. And to me... To me, I'm sorry, Kareem Hunt is going in the sixth round. DeAndre Swift is going in the sixth round. These guys have just as much, if not more, upside and an easier path in my eyes to, to getting that belt or, you know, the, the, the majority of the work there yeah. over J.K. Dobbins. It is going to take an injury to Mark Ingram. And even then, they still have Gus Bus. They still have, uh, you know, Hill there. And, and so I'm not saying that Dobbins his talent should overcome all that absolutely mm. but i don't know if it will because they do like gus bus there he averages five over five yards a clip so um i just think that people are getting a little too excited and and seeing the upside yeah the upside is definitely the upside is an rb1 for sure if mark ingram goes down but you're banking on that each and every single week and i just don't like doing that if it's not an running back i don't think mark ingram that's where i'm going you want to take the leap and take J.K. Dobbins, and it worked out for you, I will applaud you. I'll say that's a huge gamble, uh, and it paid off for you. But in general, I'm not willing to take a big gamble like that. I would much rather take a Chase Edmonds 11th, 12th round, who I think has just as much high, uh, high upside than J.K. Dobbins and actually has a clear path to a starting running back job than J.K. Dobbins. So that's just me. Mm -hmm. No, I appreciate that. And what I'm hearing you uh, sort of get at is that some of these shitty committees or crowded backfield situations, there's still a player that has a majority share, right? Like and majority share, basically the lead role, right? Even if it's a committee, there's a shared situation, but the majority share is still a really important thing to bank on. And if we're talking about teams that are going to have running backs go basically the same amount of volume all across the board, or that there's a likelihood that one will be the majority share carrier. 
So it's not the lead back. We got to stop using that bell cow language. Mark Ingram isn't the bell cow in the Ravens situation, but he will hold the majority share likely for the entirety of the season, right? That's what you're saying. Yeah. So I think that's that's the way that we ought to start thinking about these situations. And there's going to be some backfields that may tr- be true splits, right? Like may truly be 50-50 splits or 30-30-30 or, you know, in New England, I don't even know, 20%, 20%. Yeah, 20%. right. Like that's, yeah, that's probably what Like we be. just, so there are some true committees, some true group projects, and there are some group projects where there is one person actually just actually doing all the work. So just a, a good way to think about it. And we've got one more of these backfields that we want to break down for you, and that is the Detroit Lions. So Johnny, where are you thinking? I think you even mentioned DeAndre Swift already, but tell us your thoughts on the, the Lions backfield. So my thoughts are that I be very clear on this one because this is probably, you know, every year I have like a nice, really bold, you know, take last year. It did not work Just out one. for me. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> uh, la- I mean, there's I usually will have one that I will like literally put my stamp on. And this is going to be that person this year. Um, last year it was Dante Pettis, you know, full exposure. That was a horrible pick. And I apologize to Whisper Nation uh, on that pick, although he might be a little secret of a gem this year. Um, but I will say, okay, so when it comes to Detroit backfield, I'm going to say this right now. DeAndre Swift will be this year's Miles Sanders. He may not start the, he may not start this year as the, the lead dog. He may not start by getting the majority of the carries. But I guarantee Miles Sanders situation too, though, right? To your point, correct. But I guarantee, like Charles Barkley, (laughs) I guarantee that come by the middle of this year, DeAndre Swift will show enough. He will do enough that it will be in no question that he should be the number one running back there for Detroit. That he is talented enough. To be the the bell cow, the quote unquote bell cow there, um, and he is going to lead a lot of teams to the fantasy championship. He is so talented, and people people that you know are are just getting into the game. They don't understand just how how talented this guy was. The most uh, he he was the number one ranked running back coming into college in Debbie leagues for the last four years. DeAndre Swift. Not Jonathan Taylor, not J.K. Dobbins. It was DeAndre Swift was the number one running back ranked uh, for the last four years. Then he goes to Detroit, and people just all of a sudden start tanking on this guy because he goes to Detroit. And I get that Detroit hasn't had a, a great running back, uh, you know, since Barry Sanders, and you know, you could say the one year of Reggie Bush, but it's been mostly a miss, and I get it. But I am telling you right now, DeAndre Swift is a different guy. This guy is phenomenal with the football. He's great at pass catching. Amazing runner. He was more productive than Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb was in college. He was the third string running back while they were the one and two. And he was better than they were his freshman year. We all know how good Nick Chubb is. And I'm not going to say how good Sony Michelle That doesn't really support my argument there. Uh, but I will say that get get Swift for sure. Now people will, will talk about Carry On Johnson. Uh, you know, Summy, we have him on the show. He is a big fan of Carry On Johnson, and this is what I'm going to say on Carry On Johnson. I have major concerns with Carry On Johnson. He's on the he's got the knee brace. They talk about him. They talk about the knee brace. Like his whole team name 
call it, they call him like what do they call him leg brace guy or something like leg brace man like it's like a nickname real original name yeah i know <laughs> um but that is, you're 23 and he's having to take days off to rest his knee he's wearing a leg brace all the time there is just, he, he's only had one game over 20 fantasy points in his in his career so he's just he hasn't shown that he is a he can do it he can't be the the bulk of the carrier there that's why they got DeAndre Swift uh that's why I'm a big fan of DeAndre Swift I love his ADP smashing that all day of the week what I got right on well we just went through six backfields uh shitty committees as they're so aptly called um and Johnny of all of these six we went through the Indianapolis Colts Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh the Buffalo Bills Denver Broncos Baltimore Ravens and the Detroit Lions of all six of these, where are you putting your value? You get one. Where are you grabbing? Wow. I only get one, and I have to stamp it. Yep. If I have to do one, I would stamp it on the Dion. That's the one I feel the most confident. I love the value. I think it all blends together. There. And I love that. We got Matt Stafford coming back at quarterback. Uh, I mean, he's been throwing bombs this offseason, too. And, like, uh, the guy played through a broken back last season. He, I know ben, Big Ben gets the credit for being this, like, in just indomitable force at quarterback. But, like, Matt Stafford is coming into that. Like, oh, it's unbelievable how injured that guy always. But Seriously. he just plays through it. Still plays through it, and I think that offense could go for some serious yardage this season, which means that there's going to be openings at running back. So I love what you're saying here. Uh, I really think that this is an exciting backfield to um, to invest in. And, and for me, it's going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Honestly, I, I it's, it comes back down to the dynamic offense. Um, and and regardless of the committee, I think somebody is going to have a huge opportunity. And so I'm willing to place my risky bet in that backfield scenario. Um, but that does it, Whisper Nation. We went through six uh, shitty committees, six crowded backfield scenarios across the league. We are, I mean, gosh, next week, we get to see the start of the NFL yeah, season. Yeah, we're going to start game breaking time. down who you should sit, start, <laughs> all of that stuff. The regular season is coming. So excited, so excited. So stick with us, Whisper Nation. If you didn't already, please like and subscribe to this channel. We want to make sure that you're getting all the good information from us all season long. Uh, for the Whisper, the Fantasy Whispers, right? Am yeah, I doing this? Yeah. I get to close this out yeah. for the Fantasy Whispers. I'm Philly Chelsea, Chelsea Levy. This is Johnny Game Time Hicks, and we're out. Peace. Peace. <laughs>